Howdy. This is Vosh. You may know me from the YouTube channel, Vosh, where I livestream. Most of it's garbage, but sometimes the good bits get uploaded here. This is previously live. I mean, it shouldn't have to be said, but what is anti-LGBTQ that these people need to understand and what is putting our community in great danger is, uh, you know, claiming that all of us support this and just associating all of us with this. Um, you know, saying that groomer is an anti-LGBTQ slur, that is doing irreparable damage to us uh, as a whole and is putting a really large target on our backs. And unfortunately, you know, the tragedy that happened in Colorado Springs the other night, uh, you know, it was expected and predictable. Um, we all within Gays Against Groomers saw this coming from a mile away. Yeah. And sadly, I don't think it's going to stop until we uh, end this evil agenda that is attacking children. So th the statement here is, is literally, like, unambiguously, the, the terrorist attacks will continue until, like, trans people no longer exist. Because remember, by grooming, what they mean is trans people existing in social spaces. That's it. That's what they actually mean. So it's, it's it, like there's no actual way to fulfill the condition. It's as long as trans people exist, like you will be murdered by us. Yeah. It's, it, this is a condoning of it. Yeah. This is the kind of shit you'd see in Rwanda during the Rwandan genocide. Yeah. Yeah. During the Rwandan genocide, like propagandists on the radio were like essential to encouraging stochastic terrorism uh, uh, between neighbors and stuff. People killing each other with machetes because they were getting radicalized on radio about how the other guy was actually like eating babies or something. I don't know that much about the Rwandan genocide. Damn, we actually have it good in the UK, I guess. The UK is very like institutionally and bureaucratically bad to trans people. But I think we're way closer to like outright genocide against queer people in the US than in the UK, you know? We might, we might have been a little bit too quick with our turf island jokes, lads. Because um, I think most people would probably prefer turfs and all the systems of gatekeeping and medical violence they inflict upon uh, uh, UK trans people to, like, the camps they're going to be building. Yeah. Turf planet. You know, I wish I could get a little bit more satisfaction out of this. Because I remember when I first started talking about the queer genocide stuff and the you-should-buy-guns-for-self-defense stuff, I got a lot of pushback, and now all I do when I open up my Twitter feed is see people who are saying what I was saying, you know? It only took a couple of months for reality to catch up with my prediction, which, it, you know, I'm not happy about. If it was a good prediction, I'd be happy about it, because it's a stupid talking point. You have to be acting in bad faith to not understand that it's the case now. The largest Republican pundits in America are going on talking with neo-Nazis about how, oh, well, who could have, who, yeah, who could have expected any other outcome? Shootings at synagogues? Maybe if Jews did less blood libel, then, like, literally, it's that. That's not an exaggeration. That is literally the thing that's fully, entirely what they're saying. That's, it's, it's identical in every way. Maybe you should make some positive predictions. Are you suggesting that I have an effect on this? Like, I'm causing this? Perhaps. Hassan now agrees with you. I'm happy to hear that. Everyone should. <sighs> Euro people are right, but not about America, unfortunately. Keep in mind that there has been a wave of far-right populism in Europe as well. It's not an American-exclusive phenomenon. Is Lonerbox still saying it's not a genocide? I saw that debate Lonerbox had. I don't really get what he was getting at there. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll talk, talk with him sometime. I'm worried about right-wing militias here in Germany, too. You should be. You know why? Because as much as uh, Germany has made an effort to culturally atone for its previous uh, regime, 
the German police forces are fucking full of Nazis. The police forces, uh, there, there are there are tons of ex-police and ex-military dudes who have uh, militias, like pretty much explicitly like Nazi militias in Germany. I guess the only lesson that you can really get from all of this is that you need to finish Reconstruction. Um, you will continue to be haunted by the past um, unless you fully commit to the process. If, you, if you're coming out of the Nazi Germany bit, you don't do Operation Paperclip, you don't keep the scientists, you don't keep the experts, you don't keep anyone. You fully replace the pre-existing infrastructure with new people. None of this institutionalized, oh, well, they're over it, you know, none of that shit. Every time this happens, this happens again and again and again. The, the full measure is not taken. No half measures, Walter. Well, look, some good vibes, though. Oh, yeah, I saw this. I mean, people are freaking out over it, but it is kind of cool to see the NHL official Twitter account say trans women are women and men are men and such. Also, guns keep going missing from the police and um, Bundeswehr. Well, they're probably funneling them out to, like, the militia groups in the hills, right? They keep showing up there, yes. Listen, guys, if progressivism, liberal democracy, and even socialism are to survive, this is the lesson we have to learn, okay? We have to learn to not want to be killed as badly as they want to kill us. Every bit of passion and hate that they feel, everything that drives them to want to kill us, we have to feel the equal and opposite emotion ourselves with equal passion. Um, there will never be a, like, done deal, a fully stable system that we can just relax over. Every day of our life, we have to wake up and think, what can I do to minimize the likelihood of a f***ing holocaust happening today? And we need to do that every day until we die, and all of our ancestors will have to as well. Uh, you can't... Vigilance is not, like, optional. You can't delegate it, either. Oh, sorry, descendants, not ancestors. It's hard for me to understand why so many people on the left are being so dismissive of the idea of a genocidal right. Like, of course they're genocidal, have you not been paying attention? To be fair, a lot of liberals have moved over on this as well. There are a lot of larger liberal accounts that I've seen. I, I feel like a good litmus test is John Oliver, where, like, John Oliver is, I think he's made it pretty clear in some of the bits he's talked about, where, like, he's, he's essentially saying, like, yeah, it's, like, they're not, this is not a policy disagreement, you know? Um, obviously, John can't go on, like, TV and be, like, you know, playing the international, screaming about guns and self-defense or whatever, but I feel, I feel like a lot of people are aware of this. There are good liberals out there. I mean, they're still liberals, after all, and there are contradictions in their ideology, but there are liberals who are more aware than others of, you know. Honestly, all I see now is talk on social media about how Republicans is a fascist party. There's no time for complaining about Dems. Oh, guys, yeah. Guys, this channel will contain very sparse criticism of the, uh, criticisms of the Dems moving forward. I'd hoped when Biden won that this could be like a hit-him-from-the-left type channel, but Republicans have never, like, backed off. They've never given us an opportunity to do that. There's never been a point where Republicans weren't always the greatest threat, you know? At this point, Republicans pose so much of a threat that the idea of making fun of Democrats or going after them in any way other than for enabling Republicans seems, like, meaningless? Like, we're not gonna, like, we're not gonna have any of that. So it's, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, fe it feels like having, like, kind of a, like, you're a roommate with a shitty friend, and also there's a tornado headed towards your house, and you decide to take time out of your packing and fleeing to argue with your roommate. It's like, I, I don't, e it's not even on 
obviously, Democrat abstainiousness and a ton of their economic policy is to blame for where we are right now. You know, they were two halves of the neoliberal, uh, you know, like, puzzle piece that, that led us to where we are. That's totally true, you know, and that should be kept in mind. Uh, but in, in the immediate moment, you know, you said yourself the leftist movement is done. Oh, yeah, the leftist movement is done now, for sure, for sure. Bosch, acknowledge buying a gun is a consumer choice intended to comfort you like cage-free eggs. It's not protection against anything. You're not John Wick. Death will find you at your most vulnerable, and you can't shoot hatred away. A population of terrified, stratified Americans armed to the teeth is not a good meme. Most people use the gun on self. Stats bear it out. Yeah, we'll see how those numbers roll out when the happening happens. What you're forgetting here is the critical element, which is community uh, defense. Individually, a gun is just a consumer choice intended to comfort you. You're not going to use your gun to defend yourself against a burglar or whatever. The, uh, the, the purpose of firearm ownership is to arm communities. Individuals can die in their sleep. Communities can't. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's a, a broader project than that. Which is why I've always said the best thing you can do to protect yourself isn't to buy a gun. It's to get to know your neighbors as long as you're not in a community where your neighbors would be the ones shooting you. So, you know. Yeah, if you ever want to know what community defense looks like, remember when about a month ago there was a drag event that was protected by a bunch of Antifa guys who were associated with the John Brown Gun Club? That John Brown Gun Club got banned off Twitter the other day. So the same day that Elon Musk is cozying up with the people who are enabling genocide against trans people, uh, the account most responsible for the most recent act of like I, I in fact I think Kyle Rittenhouse quote tweeted that was like uh you don't mind guns when you guys are carrying them huh and then the literal day after we see why we need leftists with guns at community events uh because the shooting happened I've been getting a lot of emails from worried viewers lately because they um they have they have picked up on my um what I would call, uh, what I would call frank realistic, what others might call, you know, pessimistic attitude towards the future of politics in this country. And I thought, I kind of wanted to sort of respond to this broadly as like a good go-to. I want to talk about like what to do. I'm giving all of you life advice right now, okay? Because I've thought about this. I can't do this one-on-one -on -one over email for so many reasons. Length, uh, time management. So I'll, I'll, I'll refer to this, okay? Oh, this convo for the 10th time? No, no, no. We're hitting on this. It's going to be real good, okay? Everyone can learn from this, okay? So here's the issue. Everybody has, like, different levels of consideration they have to take when it comes to the freedom they have to do things. So, for example, people who have some money are in more of a position to accommodate any future needs they might have to, you know, satiate than people who have no money. Disabled people um, might not be able to do things that not disabled people can do uh, in order to help themselves. So like, here's an example. One of the best things that you can do to help with depression is to go on occasional walks. That's true. Not everyone can walk. It sounds such like such an obvious statement, you know, like kind of self-evident, like, well, obviously. Well, then how do you, the, the, so what is the, it just nothing then for, for people who can't walk, you know, is, so like, it's just, it's null. Like, what do you do then? Well, obviously in that specific case, you can still do wheelchair walks or, you know, whatever. I, I, you, can't, you can't account for every uh, edge case. But I wanted to talk broadly about what you should do right now. So I'm, I'm going to speak to what I think is like the most sort of broadly disadvantaged member of my community, okay? I'm going to talk to like an, a, an, like a, like a 16 to 20, like young, 
um, like late college, early, or, sorry, early college, late high school, uh, trans, uh, depressive, anxiety ridden, autistic, not so much money, conservative parents, you know? And if that doesn't apply to you, if those don't all like apply to your life, then you can just remove some of those categories. Like, oh, actually my parents are good to me. Okay, well, great, you know? Uh, oh, actually, well, I'm not trans or whatever. Okay, well then, yeah, don't even have to worry about that, you know? It's, you, 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 you sort of develop for the most, um, I guess the, the most um, disadvantaged category and then know you have contingencies for everyone else, basically. But I wanna talk, okay? Here's the thing, like, here's my concern, right? This country is probably going to go a bad way pretty soon uh, because I think, you know, Harper v. Moore, I think the Republicans are going to uh, rule on that in a fashion that allows them to consolidate an anti-democratic minority that will nonetheless uh, rule federally in many of the states. And that'll be bad. Whether or not that's going to lead to like a period of severe regression under Republicans and then like a bounce back and Republicans are like... Uh, ousted or, or, or sort of embarrassed or, or no longer favored, that could happen. Um, crazy, big civil war, brouhaha, that could happen. You know, I don't really know, but I want to talk about like basic stuff that you should be focusing on right now. Okay. I get a lot of these questions, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming young in terms of like who I'm responding to, but I think this applies to everyone. A lot of people have asked like, should I stay in the closet? Should I come out? Should I tell my parents that I'm gay, that I'm trans, this or that, you know, what should I do about my bad friend group or whatever. One of the first things that you can do, okay, and this is like ubiquitous advice, is learn the things that you can change and the things that you can't. And if you can't change something, work within your means to make it as tolerable as possible. If you can change something, then try to, unless the consequences of doing so are intolerable. If you have shitty friends that are like holding you back, I, I can't tell you how much it matters to have a friend group that's like, um, you know, supportive. It sounds so uh, gay. It's, you know, oh, you know, power of friendship, everyone get together. Well, I mean, yeah, we're social animals. You guys know the run. Uh, it's actually really important. So many people suffer needlessly um, by telling themselves, if I didn't have these shitty friends, then I would have no friends at all. I don't know if I've ever met somebody who regretted cutting off shitty friends because they were then lonelier after, you know? Loneliness is a template upon which you can paint. It's very difficult to reform having bad, unsupportive friends. Um, you know? Uh, is it possible you might jump the gun here? Sure, it's always possible. But generally speaking, like, well, what's the first thing you should focus on? Whatever you can do to improve your social life, I strongly suggest you do it, okay? A lot of you folks spend time on Discord or Twitter, you make friends online. There is nothing wrong with making friends online, but it is important to have friends in person too. This is not going to be as easy for some people as it is for others. A lot of us live, most of my viewers live in cities or in well-developed areas, but some of you guys live in more rural uh, or, or more conservative areas where it can be really, really difficult to make like interpersonal friends, you know? I've said this before, but a lot of people don't do this because it makes them feel like a dork. How do you make a friend? That's actually a really difficult question, right? Like in the pure logistics of the thing, like how do you meet a new person and then talk to them, get to know each other, and then have a friend? It's easy to do when you're in school because you're forced into it. Not to say everyone makes friends in school, but at the very least, they, you, you got kind of a handicap going on there. To a lesser extent, college, but still true. 
Um, because people are put in situations where they have to socialize. They're with a like age group, you know. Um, they have shared goals sometimes with class projects or just getting through the day. Um, but if you're outside of all that, what do you do? Well, it sounds dorky, but I swear to God, no matter where you are in the United States, unless we're really talking the sticks, I mean, unless we're talking you live in a town that's got a couple thousand people or some like blighted suburban development that's right off a, a, a freeway overpass that hasn't yet had a commercial district put in nearby. I mean, unless you're in a situation like that, you can probably Google local events in your area and there are probably some earnest people who are setting stuff up nearby that you can attend. Uh, I remember back when I was in Los Angeles after college, I was a bit you know, bored and lonely. Uh, I went to a couple of still art paintings. Uh, I went to a couple of hiking groups. Literally, just people would just meet together and like hike, you know? Uh, a group of like a couple dozen people, you know? Oftentimes you can just do like just for free. You can just interact with other people. Uh, and, you know, it can be a little bit... Um, imposing or difficult to involve yourself in these situations but unfortunately like the core conceit of making new friends is putting yourself out there you know you should work up to whatever it takes to be able to confidently enter a room with people you don't know understand what's going on in that room and then kind of work with that you know it's not all about like cold approaches or pickup artistry where you just walk up to somebody and you're like delivering this set of prepared line. Don't do any of that, you know? Um, but it, just being there is something. Uh, also, have a little bit of faith in other people, you know? If you go to another event where you're new, people might also just come up and talk to you, you know? Like, they're holding a public event. They're putting information of that online. You think they don't want new people arriving? Like, that's why they're doing that. Uh, they Odds are somebody's going to talk to you as long as you don't come across as like unapproachable or creepy. I mean, God, as long as you shower, you know, I, just, I, ho I hope stuff like that would, would track on its own. I know this might seem like really basic, but we live in an era now where it's really easy to make friends online because social media is incredibly efficient and very like well-developed to corral together people with shared interests. So it's really easy to meet each other. You know, there's a very low barrier of entry when it comes to entering these social spaces and talking to new people. I'm willing to bet you probably feel less anxiety DMing somebody for the first time than you do like talking to someone new in real life. Just guessing. Uh, you know, just throwing it out there. Bosh, I made friends after moving by going to my kickboxing class. I wanted to do it before and the friends I made came along naturally from interacting with the group. That's what you have to understand, you know? Um, Everything is so certain these days when it comes to like the direct empirical outputs of social interaction. Social media is literally gamified with uh, likes and retweets and such. You can see numerical representations of people's popularity. Uh, that doesn't happen in real life. So people, I think, can feel a bit more on edge. And that might put some of you guys off. But your, your goal when interacting with people isn't to like go in there to make new friends. It's to interact with people and have pleasant interactions. Think about it from the ground up, you know? You don't build a house, you lay a foundation. And every conversation you have, however short, that's just a pleasant little aside, uh, is another brick you're laying to that foundation. It's another step you're putting up, you know? Because a couple of interactions in, and people might go from just asking you how you're doing to asking about you on a more fundamental level, or vice versa. 
uh, a greater interest reciprocally and in, you know who's friends or who's not just pursue interactions because those are the only things you have control over not friendships not relationships pursue the interactions themselves now please work on that it's good you know learn to talk to people don't feel so insecure about messaging them remember if they don't message you back it doesn't mean they hate you i have people that i like that i don't message back for weeks people's lives are complicated don't make it all about you uh you're thinking about yourself far more than other people are thinking about you you know you make a little fuss up you stumble over some words you come across as awkward they'll forget in a minute you'll remember that for as long as you let yourself remember that you know that's a you it's like how many of you still remember awkward moments in like middle school classrooms do you think anyone else in those classes remembers your little moment no but no of course not um but people people sort of persist in this like projection or this I guess it's a little bit um, self-centered. The idea like, oh, yeah, you know, because I remember other people must care. They don't. People are just trying to live their lives, you know. Uh, and a lot of those people could do with, uh, you know, a little more socializing themselves. So help them out with that. With regards to like um, planning for the future and shit like that, you know, I don't, I, I can't make any prescriptions about like, well, what should you study in class? You know, what should you uh, do in college? I'll only say this. Um, if you're in college or even in high school, please, God, be on good terms with your professors. Oh my God, there are so many opportunities that people can get just from being the first person a professor thinks of when they're thinking of like some kind of extracurricular or like weird alternate thing, you know, helping with a project, help them with this, help them with that, you know. Um, professors are really overworked. Teachers are really overworked. Uh, they often have favorite students and teachers get blamed for this, but really think about it. If you were a teacher, would you not have a favorite student and like students you don't like? Is that not like, is that surprising? Yeah, obviously some students are going to be like, like nice and pleasant. And some of them are going to be assholes. Of course, they're going to be um, preferential. And a lot of these teachers teach like hundreds of students, you know, uh, in a very short span of time. So make yourself distinct to them. Um, that doesn't mean you have to overperform in their class or anything. Just be earnest and, and, and sort of try to engage with them. Of course, if your professors or teachers are dipshits, then don't, you know, just, I'm, you know what I mean? Just, it's something that an effort should be put towards. You know, you can, you can, you can go about that and try your best. Um, working sucks. Like jobs suck. Uh, you know, they suck a lot less when you get along with your coworkers. So much of this is basic social advice, right? If you can get along with your coworkers, work is way more tolerable. The difference between a job that makes you want to die and a job that you can like, end a shift and feel like okay at least is usually do i get along with the people that i work with if you get along with the people you work with that can even be like that can even make like customer service jobs a little more tolerable like being a waiter and having to deal with customers is horrible but if you go back to the kitchen there's someone back there who's like rolling their eyes and going yeah i heard that what a piece of shit you feel a lot better socializing bonds you know uh, so many of the problems that we experience are a product of either like incidental or manufactured social alienation, which is why I hammer on so much about the necessity of combating that, of being confident enough not to be some kind of like, you know, hyper confident alpha male, whatever the, f but just like the, the basic belief, which, which you should have dogmatically, by the way, this is something that you should believe no matter what evidence is provided to you. You should believe that you deserve happiness and other people, uh, you know, are, are, are worth talking to. 
That should be like a fundamental position you hold, no matter what. And you should believe it no matter what, because if you believe that conditionally, you will, at some point in time, because you're feeling depressive or anxious, the condition will be tripped. And you'll think, oh, actually, that's not true, you know? The problem is your brain is just not a great engine for arriving at logical conclusions consistently, especially when it comes to stuff like socialization, because those calculations involve stuff like self-worth, confidence, and it's really difficult to empirically reaffirm or measure any of those variables. So you might in a bad moment think, oh, actually, well, I don't deserve this, or I don't deserve that, and I shouldn't do this, and I shouldn't do that. Unfortunately, um, the best way out of any kind of mental funk like that is usually maintaining the um, a, a, like the discipline to engage in some very basic self-care, and people don't do that if they think they don't deserve it. That's why uh, if ever there is a thought you should listen to least, it's the thought, I don't even deserve to improve. You ever felt that way? I haven't because I'm great. But if you ever felt that way, it's like, I'm such a piece of shit, you know, I'm so depressive, whatever. I don't even deserve to feel good. I don't even deserve to do this or that. I think, like, again, your brain is a, is a flawed machine. It's difficult to conduct self-analysis with the machine that you're analyzing, you know, because if there's a problem with the brain, it's not good at assessing what's wrong with the brain. You know, depressive episodes can be sort of prolonged near indefinitely through this insistence that, like, oh, no, you know, I don't even deserve to do better. I, I'm just a piece of shit, bloody blah, blah. It doesn't work. It doesn't help anyone. You should believe dogmatically that you do deserve those things because there's no condition where you don't want to believe those things. You know, there's no, there's, there's no instance where you want to wake up and it's empirically better for you to think you don't deserve to be happy. That's dumb. That's just not, it just doesn't work that way. You're not, you're not doing anyone any favors. You're not doing anyone else any favors either, by the way. Part of being human is treating other people like shit sometimes than feeling really bad about it. None of us is perfect. It's not good, but of course we've all done that. And there is nothing worse than somebody treating you poorly and then seeing that person go on a self-esteem de depressive spiral and they're so pathetic you can't even feel bad, uh, bad about them anymore. You can't even be mad anymore. Nothing feels worse than that. So... If you have mistreated someone, please, God, do them a favor and don't respond to that realization by spiraling into some kind of self-esteem, you know, whirlpool. Because then it's because, you know, that it, it, like that doesn't make them feel good. It doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't make you more repentant or less abusive or whatever. It doesn't make them feel better. It's just not good. Don't do that. Own up to what you've done. It is an abuse tactic if done deliberately. And it can be if done accidentally. Just don't do that stuff, you know? That socializing shit, it's just, it's so important. It's so important to focus on that because at the end of the day, like so many things that may appear impossible suddenly become possible if you have the right supportive group of people. Every logical or technical problem, this is one of the reasons why there tends to be a greater sense of community engagement in poor neighborhoods. It's necessary. If you go to the ghetto or whatever, you know, uh, there are often like it's it's not at all an uncommon sight in bad parts of neighborhoods to have like uh, families all next to each other, like socializing, families knowing each other through like four generations, their neighbors know each other, they talk. Um, whereas if you go to pristine neighborhoods that are relatively upper middle class, you tend to see a lot less like community. And that's because, you know, hey, I can't afford a babysitter. Can my neighbor help, you know? Hey, I don't have enough money to make rent or food. Okay, can this person help, you know? Uh, my thing broke. My, my laundry machine or my dryer broke. Can I use my neighbors, you know? 
so many problems can be solved with socialization. It's like the, um, it's like the medieval village, right? Nowadays, if you, uh, if you live in a suburb, everything that you need to live outside of like utilities and groceries and shit is inside your little house box. But in the medieval village, how long do you think your village is going to get by without the blacksmith or the cobbler or the farrier or the farmers or the this or the that or the this or the that? They'll all die. You need all those people. It's not, it's not like, uh, it's not like, a, a you know, um, a suggestion. It's not like, um, oh, it'd be great if you had the well-being. You need those people. Um, nowadays, we don't really have that, except in like a broad, like supply chain sense where like we need, uh, uh you know, um, sweatshop workers in China, but communally, so much stuff that seems completely insurmountable. I swear to God, it can't, I swear to God, you know, it's all about finding people that you can rely on. I know this, it's so cliche, but people forget this. What you do is you remember this as like a Disney Aesop. This is remembered as like, the golden rule, treat others how you wish to be treated. And everyone's like, oh, of course, I know that already. Well, do you live it? So you know that community matters. Okay, do you live it? Because I've seen my chat. I know you people don't go outside. I know that. I know you're saying, yeah, wow, that's really smart. And you're not going to talk to another human being for six days. I know you. It's really important to work on stuff like this. And it helps overwhelmingly with so many other social issues because it means that you can cushion problems you couldn't solve individually. Financial problems. Emotional problems. Sometimes when you're feeling really bad, all you need is a distraction, like watching a TV show with someone else. Critically important, you know? Just getting a walk. Find other people to go on walks with. Get to know your neighbors. Every decision you're going to have to make about the future is predicated on your ability to adapt to difficult circumstances, and that is made so much easier when you know people. I'm talking on every level, interpersonally, psychologically, all the way up to like in a revolutionary sense. It all comes down to community. At every level, if you can't do something yourself, which is often the case, because again, social animals, you need other people to assist in some fashion. And the best thing that you can do to facilitate that, the best thing you can do to make sure that's even a possibility, uh, is to be the kind of person other people want to be around, which is now what I am going to talk about. Again, a lot of you guys are are, are sort of low self-esteem, you're gay, you're trans, you know, um, and it, it, it hurts you in this respect, um, which, uh, you, you know, which, which is um, a, a bit of a, a detriment to basic socialization. And I just want to say, you know, Mental health issues nonwithstanding, obviously, I, I, I highly recommend getting enough food, water, sunlight, getting a regular sleep schedule. That stuff really helps with depression. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge how much depression is influenced by basic physiological inputs, but unfortunately it is. Your brain isn't made of magic. It's made of chemicals and meat. And if you don't put the right chemicals into your body, such as vitamin D or, you know, the right food and, you know, water intake levels, you know, it, uh, it doesn't work as well. It doesn't work as good. Um, and to that extent, you know, I, I strongly recommend, you know, drinking water, staying hydrated. But after you've got that down, you know, the basic, like, self-care, self-discipline stuff, um, you know, 
well, how do you make other people like you? Well, it's a stupid question. You can't make other people like you. How do you, um, how do you come across as likable though? I think, and I've said this before, it's the age of autism, lads, all right? What you want to do is believe that you have interesting things to say and then do it. Do not, a lot of people do this phony, like they cover up what they actually believe because they're worried about coming across as awkward with people. I want you to think, okay? Make in your head, okay? I, I do this right now. Think about things that you're interested in. Okay? All right? Are you thinking? I imagine most of you can think of a good number of things. People who are online tend to have a broader range of interests because they're exposed to so many different facets of other cultures. Um, there are probably at least a couple of things you can think of that you're interested in. Okay? Now, uh, eliminate from your mind any topics which require some kind of social context to understand. So, for example, if there's some kind of online drama or like specific community space that is an interest of yours, that's probably not going to be great conversational material when engaging with other people because you kind of need to be there to know why that's interesting, right? Uh, you know, it's 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 sort of um, it's it's sort of a little bit um, uh, you know. Like, for instance, I wouldn't want you guys talking about me unless you knew the other person already knew about me. You know, I, this is a context thing. Um, if there are broader things, I bet a lot of you like trains, video games, painting, or illustration. Uh, you might like more philosophical topics like transhumanism. Architecture, that's a big one. Um, think about topics you're interested in that might have a broader appeal. A great example of topics that you can uh, engage with others on the on the subject of is think of something that every single human alive has some kind of casual interest in. Architecture is a great one because nobody has zero opinions on architecture. Every single person alive uh, has had some kind of thought on what nice buildings look like. Uh, that's a good one. Music. Pretty much everyone, save me, I guess has an opinion on music that, uh, that, that they'd be willing to discuss with others? What if it's a technical topic like physics or mathematics? There's nothing wrong with technical topics. The difficulty is, once you've chosen a topic, how do you present it to other people, okay? Like, I really want you to think about this, okay? The best way of understanding how to talk about your interests to other people is to think, if somebody else was talking with me about a subject I had, and this is critical, no interest in, how would I like them to talk about it with me? Think about something you have no interest in at all. For me, it might be music or celebrities, you know, like pop culture kind of stuff. If somebody was to approach me with that topic, how would I want to have it discussed at me? How would I want to receive that information? Let's say it's sports. Let's say it's the World Cup. I know nothing about soccer. Nothing at all. But if somebody was to come up to me and talk to me about the World Cup, here's what I would want as a recipient of that topic. I would want them to keep it light, so don't make me feel like I have to be engaged with every word they're saying. Just kind of casually bring it up, casually throw it out there. I'd want them to keep it um, entry level, 
obviously if it's something that's like more technical, you know, uh, I'm not going to get it, you know, um, I'd want it to be approachable. Uh, like Galay says, a human interest story is something everyone can relate to, you know, maybe a particular soccer player has done something interesting or overcome an injury. That's a human interest story. It's relatable to everyone, right? Um, I would want them to be passionate because I don't want them to come across as disinterested, right? Passion is really attractive in other people. And I don't just mean like in a romance way. I mean, like as, if, as friends are like, I don't want to be surrounded with people who are just blandly conveying the things on their mind. I want people, I want people to be anime protags. I really mean this. I want, when, when I'm interacting with new people, I want to be able to think, who was that person? You know, oh, that was the person with the gray blazer. Oh, that was the person who had the hat. No, I want to think that was the guy who came up to me and talked to me about soccer for 15 minutes and told me a goddamn story. And I could feel the heat radiating from his brain as he shared this bit of himself with me. That's what I want to remember. I want to be around people who make me feel like I'm alive. Right? Don't you want that? Imagine you're at a party and you're feeling a bit shy. I'm not shy at parties, but I know for a fact that if I was, I would like other people to pick up a little bit of the conversational torch, you know? Come up to me. Even if I'm not interested in the topic, give me something light. Give me something interesting and sell it to me. Be passionate. What you guys need to do is what I just said the other person should do to you, but to other people. You get me? Be that person. Don't worry about being like crazy, perfectly charismatic. Don't worry about being some kind of like martini swilling social master who can just effortlessly convey all information with no self-consciousness at all. You know, don't worry about any of that. Just focus on being the person that you would want someone else to be approaching you with the topic they're interested in. Be passionate. Be remembered for the things that you care about, you know? The only thing you really need to be concerned with when you're being that guy to other people is notice signs of disinterest. I've talked about this before, and it is absolutely critical, okay? Absolutely critical. If a person looks like they're not too interested in what you're talking about, you should give them opportunities to break off the conversation uh, without them feeling bad for you. You don't want other people to feel like they're only entertaining you out of pity. The reason you want to be careful about this is twofold. It's for both of you. You don't want them to feel stuck, and you don't want to feel like they're only listening to you because they feel bad for you, right? That's a big fear. Yeah, a lot of people are saying my worst fear. The best way to deal with that is to give them outs. So for example, this is, this is the easiest one in the book. This is a very straightforward one. You're talking with someone, you're sharing an interest, you're telling, you're saying something about how like you recently read an article on water on Mars, you know, and you're talking about it and you're, 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 you know, well, it's just really cool, you know, maybe something cool could be done with it. You know, you're just very, you're talking with people. Um, you're not sure if, um, if they're invested in the conversation, you're not sure if they really care. Maybe, maybe your, maybe your, your, your anxiety is flaring up a little bit because you're talking, you're talking to a cute girl. 
Ooh, dangerous. You do, you do not want to feel like she's only talking to you out of pity, right? You don't want to be one of those guys or girls, do you? You don't want to be like, you don't want to be remembered as that person who was overbearing. No, 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 no. Huh? Yeah, see, I can see you people are scared. The best way to alleviate those fears is to give them an out. Easiest one in the book. Um, oh, we've been talking for a while. I hope I'm not keeping you. It really is as simple as that. Have you been talking for two, three minutes? That's a decent length of time for a direct conversation at a social event. Simple as that. Oh, uh, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to ramble off for so long. D just like that. It, it's that simple. Seriously, like, it's just, like, th think of ways to, yeah, think of it as easing off the gas a little bit, you know? Um, if, you, if you're a little rambly, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Oh, I've been going on for a while. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to keep you for so long. And depending on their reaction, you can see how they actually feel. If you say that exactly, oh, I've been rambling, didn't mean to keep you for so long, which is fine. That's a fine thing to say. Um, they can respond with like, uh, you know, oh, no, it's been great. If they ask you a follow-up question, you're in, by the way. If they respond to that and then continue with what you were saying, like they ask you to continue or they like ask you to extrapolate, you're f***ing in. You're, congratulations. That's like the strongest affirmation of their interest they can give. They're they're rejecting your uh, 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 easing up on the gas. You eased up on the gas and they put their hand on your foot and slammed it down. They're like, yeah, okay, keep, yeah, keep talking. Um, like that, you know? Um, if they say something like, um, oh, no, it's okay. You know, like if you say something like, um, oh, I didn't mean to ramble, it's been a little while. And they're like, oh, no, it's okay. That's a neutral response. That's not positive or negative. If they say something neutral, like, uh, oh, it's okay, or, oh, no worries, or anything like that, that could mean uh, they're okay with you continuing to go. That could mean that they'd like to sort of do something else right now. It legit is, like, totally neutral. I tend to lean on the side of caution, especially with women, because women are often socialized to be really, um, really, like, sort of um, non-confrontational, you know? So I think it's generally a good idea to lean towards um, slightly more timid uh, when you're first meeting someone. After all, at most social events, you're going to be meeting more than one person if you're going to like a hiking group or something or the other. And I want to be clear, by the way, if you've been talking to someone for a few minutes and you're like, oh, sorry, I've been rambling for a bit. Uh, thanks for listening, you know. And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, sure, it's okay. And then they kind of like wander off. That's a sign of disinterest. I want to be clear. If that happens to you, you did nothing wrong. At least nothing wrong within the framework of what we're talking about. That's fine. It's fine to interact with new people, talk about your interest for a while, and then like they are, you know, kind of, and then they walk off. It has happened to me so many times because it's inevitable and it happens to literally everyone. Literally everyone. There's not a human on earth who that has not happened to, okay? So don't worry about it. I'm, I'm seriously, don't, yeah. You had a conversation, it's fine. Not every conversation can end in someone being enraptured by what you have to say. You got some practice in, you interacted with somebody and you didn't wrong them. You gave them, you gave them a lot. There are a million ways to give people outs, by the way. Uh, a good way, prompting questions. 
um, if you prompt questions like, oh, um, out of curiosity, what would you have done with X? Or, oh, have you ever listened to this? Or, oh, have you ever heard of this? Prompting questions gives them a chance to talk, and the way in which they talk will tell you a lot about how they actually feel. If they come across as kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 then maybe they're not so into it. And you can end a conversation really graciously. And by the way, even if they're not into the conversation, you being able to end a convo graciously puts you above like 95% of people. I swear to God, okay? If you, if you, if you can be in a conversation with somebody, they're not that into it, you give them a leading question and they kind of suggest they're not that into it with the way they respond. And you're like, oh yeah, well, it's been fun. Have a good day. And then you go do something else. Uh, you're winning. You're, uh, you're, doing, you're doing so good right there. You're, you're such a good little pog champ. You're doing great. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's so, yeah. Um, most people can't do that. Most people cannot do that. You want to strike that good balance where you're being authentic and enthusiastic with presenting what you're interested in while also being uh, res you know, respectful of nonverbal signs of disinterest and obviously verbal ones. Um, and obviously conversations aren't just about autistically rambling at other people. That's a good part of my conversations, but you know, whatever. Um, you also have to listen to them. I know, terrible. I swear to God, this feels so dumb to say, but this really is like a thing people struggle with. Please do listen to other people when they talk to you. Um, I've noticed before, primarily through my own experiences, the main reason I sometimes find myself unable to pay attention to a conversation is because I'm thinking about something beyond the conversation. Usually, am I bothering this person? Do they want to be my friend? Am I going to be dumping a load in them later? Really, it's one of those three. The first one can be solved with giving them an out. If, if they've been given outs and you can respond to those, you don't need to feel anxious or like insecure about their participation. But for the other two points, it's like, do they actually want to be friends? And will we be f***ing? And I feel like both of these questions are like really unproductive to think on. Like they're, it's not good to have those things on your mind because... Those are like top level considerations. I think it's appropriate to think when you're at home after having a social outing, what can I do to make that person my friend? What can I do to maybe woo that person? I think that's fine. That's, you're just reflecting on a social outing. You're thinking, you know, okay, well, here's what I did. Here's what I learned. And uh, well, I kind of think that person's hot. I like that person. Those are top level considerations. Those are strategy meetings. How can I behave to develop a friendship or see their dick? Great. You know, that's fine. Um, but when you're actually talking to a person right then in that moment, you're not doing any like high tier strategy shit. You're right there on the ground. You're in the battlefield. So don't get distracted thinking like, well, well, what does that lead to? You know, what does this mean? This, that, the other, uh, you know, oh, she said this, her eyes moved slightly. Does that, is that the pussy move? You know, don't, don't even think about it. Literally, just, um, just focus on the conversation, right? Again, think of it always as a, as a construction worker. You know what I mean? Um, when you're building, when you're doing the construction, you're not thinking about the design of the building with every brick you lay, right? 
when you go up there, you just, you, you're laying bricks for this wall, for this part of the foundation. You're pouring concrete into this fill. You're putting rebar in this section. You're doing what you came there to do. You don't assess the design of the house while you're laying the bricks. You do it when you're talking with the engineer, looking at the blueprints outside of the construction zone. Does that make any sense? You should focus on what's important where you are. And when you're actually talking with somebody, what matters most is how you handle that conversation. You want to think about like high-level concerns when you're stepping back and low-level concerns like direct interpersonal engagement when you're there. And listen to what they're saying, you know? I've found as snobby as I used to be, as much of an enlightened Reddit atheist who doesn't even know who Lady Gaga is, etc., etc., that I was when I was in high school, like, with time, I have come to appreciate uh, an enthusiastic and well, sort of well-delivered lesson from anyone on any subject. Really, I'll, listen, if I was talking to a Taylor Swift fan and they could tell me a good story, I would enjoy it. I used to be a lot more discerning when it comes to like what kinds of subjects I'm interested in hearing about because I imagined that like as a smart person, I must like smart topics. But this is ironically a stupid way of thinking. Being smart conversationally is not about the topics you choose. It's about how you engage with the topics you're given. An intelligent person, and you'll know this, by the way, if you're a fan of Slavoj Žižek, because Slavoj Žižek will talk about anything, but he'll talk about it in a smart way. Any subject, any bit of pop culture or media, he'll talk about it. He'll engage with basically any subject, um, and it'll come across as intelligent because it's not about the subject. What's that old quote? It's like, um, it's like low-level people talk about other people, mid-level, or low-intelligence people talk about other people, mid-intelligence people talk about events, high-intelligence people talk about ideas. Bullshit. Low IQ saying. You can, you can engage intelligently and dedicatedly with literally any subject. Your only limitations here are like, well, what are you interested in? You know, what do you care to engage with? And, uh, and I, I, I strongly encourage you guys to think of it in that way because it'll make you a lot more open to listening to what other people have to say. Um, you know, I believe it was Nancy Reagan who said that. It would be someone like her. It's a statement of what ge people generally talk about. People should feel free to talk about anything that they want in a social setting because for me, the friends that I develop Shared interests are important, but so much of it is like, how do you deliver those interests? I mean, look at this community right here. 7,000 people are watching right now, and you guys watch a personality-driven politics live streamer. I'd be willing to bet the majority of you share far more in common with me in terms of our beliefs, perceptions, and interests than I would with any random group of people. But does that mean we're all friends or could be friends if we met interpersonally? The God's honest truth is no. And the reason for that is because the kicker on whether we could become friends really isn't whether you're a leftist or gay or into video games or whatever. It's really about your interpersonal style, the way you communicate, the way you handle social situations. And once you understand that, you start focusing on what really matters when you talk to other people, which is the basics of likability and the basics of how do I find people who engage me in that way? And once you've gotten better at socializing with other people, you can start doing more advanced stuff. Not just socializing with whoever you can share a room with, but rather 
thinking long-term. What kind of friend circle do I want to build? What kinds of friends do I want to spend time with? I've said this before and I'll say it again. I strongly encourage, uh, if you're looking to make friends, I encourage you guys to be direct and forthcoming, okay? We're not high schoolers anymore. Well, some of you are, but I'm not. The friend zoning thing, it's over. We're done with that, okay? If you have feelings for a person, either in a romance, sexual, or like just friendship way, you should be straightforward. If there's somebody that you like spending time with, exchange numbers with them or socials or whatever you kids do these days, and then make an effort to talk with them again. I'm one of those guys who will have a date with somebody and then text them while driving home saying I had a good time. Some people say this is desperate. I don't fucking care. That's what I want to say at that moment. Um, and frankly, it's never let me down. I've never been, I've never regretted being that person. It's, it's never while driving. No, not while driving. Um, I, 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 may, I mean like very soon after. Focus on the important part here. The point that I'm getting at is that I have never regretted being the kind of person who's upfront like that. It has literally never let me down. Um, so I encourage you to do the same because, you know, you're really not losing anything being forthcoming. And do you really want to wait hand and foot on somebody who may be your friend in the future, but would reject you now if you were upfront about wanting to be friends with them? Like, think about that. Like, how, what do you think the odds are on that working out in your favor? You know, oh, we seem to like each other's company, but if I proposition them as a friend now, then they might be put off. So I want to wait on maybe in the future being friends with somebody who spends time with me, but would reject me if I said I wanted to. Like, wh what is this? Be up, be, be, be up front, be forthcoming. Uh, there's no harm, really. Um, if consequences are faced, those are only the consequences of honesty between people, uh, which you're going to have to reconcile with one way or the other. Trying to socialize with other people is inevitably a process that will sometimes make you upset. That's how people are, you know. Uh, you should front those feelings. Uh, don't run from them. Don't, don't be terrified of how people feel. Also, people are a lot more accepting than you might think, okay? You guys have to understand, I am far more handsome and far more wealthy and far more social right now than I was four years ago, but I had no trouble with people back in uh, college either. And you know why? It's because I was as autistically forthcoming with how I felt back then as I am now. I swear to God, I swear to God, there are baddies out there. There are hot chicks with the hair and the fat titties who will be positively impressed. I mean, they'll get a positive impression from just someone who's willing to be forthcoming enough that they can just directly indicate interest. I swear to God, it's a crazy world out there. I mean this, all right? Just focus on, focus on the, the you know, the important stuff. I wish being autistically forthcoming didn't get me bullied and shunned. Flying Ice Wizard, are you in high school? I don't think being forthcoming tends to get people bullied and shunned in college. High school can be rough because sometimes people are just going to be mean for the sake of being mean because they're in that, it's just that time. It's, 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 it's the environment, you know? Um, but if you're past that point, you're still getting bullied. I, I don't even know what that looks like exactly. Do you get bullied? As a 28-year-old man, not college was fine, I'm just being a doomer. Flying Ice Wizard, you're a college graduate. And your sorry ass posted in chat 
If only being myself didn't get me bullied. Yeah, I got my eye on you. There's no way that attitude is conducive to forming good social relationships. No way in hell. My God. Hey, listen. You're all making fun, but you do the same shit. Nah, 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 nah. Flying Ice Wizard uh, gets, to be the, uh, gets to be the class demonstration here, but the rest of you do the exact same shit. You motherfuckers, even the ones who are in college who have graduated, still sit there thinking, can I really socialize with this person? What about that one time in my junior year of high school? I know that you do this stuff because I know that you people are dumb, all right? I'm sorry to hear that, Flying Ice Wizard. Flying Ice Wizard said, I had an abusive friendship in high school. It still f***ed me up. Let me talk about trauma real quick. Now, I'm speaking as an outsider because I've never been traumatized by anything because I'm perfect and all my social relationships have gone well and don't look at any of my previous VODs to find counter evidence to that, okay? Don't, tr just trust me when I say it's always been fine. So as somebody who's never had any issues in this regard, um, obviously trauma is kind of like necessarily, what's, what's that quote? What's that quote? Trauma, uh, okay, coping mechanisms. That's what they're called. A coping mechanism is like a brain knot that you that you develop as a way of mitigating the suffering that you feel from the the thing that's causing you to feel traumatized. Um, it's it's like a, it's it's a system that you develop in the moment. You know, the thing is, trauma is when that mechanism has negative downstream effects after the immediate cause of the trauma is no longer present. Right. Maladaptive coping mechanisms. Exactly, exactly. See, coping mechanisms can be great in the fly, you know, like disassociation is one where people will feel like they're not even really present and maybe like their parents are yelling at them or they're being physically abused or sexually abused. Well, dumbass, I'm not even here. You're not even raping my body. That's just a flesh body. I'm floating, you know? It's a disassociation thing, which, by the way, people misuse the term disassociate all the time now, which probably really sucks for people who actually do disassociate but you know how you know however it manifests it's a lot like um it's a lot like uh pattern recognition pattern recognition is something our brains develop to help us with a variety of problem solving uh you know challenges uh but but pattern recognition oh sorry dissociation not disassociation thank you um but pattern recognition can actually lead us to um really irrational conclusions these days. Uh, you know, it's a cognitive bias. Much in the same way, uh, trauma is often the product of a cognitive bias that was developed as a way of responding to really negative circumstances, you know? Trauma can be caused by all sorts of stuff. People have abandonment issues, people have shitty parents, people get f***ed up by their friends, people are physically or sexually assaulted. Um, it's not good. However, um, you have to understand that the part of your brain that still has the trauma response is in what is known by psychiatrists as the retard zone. I'm not going to pretend that my little, you know, stream bit here can compensate for like a psychiatrist applying, uh, you know, um, cognitive behavioral therapy or anything, but it can be very helpful, I think. And I'm saying this again as a non-professional, but it can be very helpful to sort of, um, reflect on what uh, behaviors you exhibit 
when you recognize that you're being sort of irrational because of a trauma response and to, to sort of like recognize that when it happens. You know what I mean? Like you like when when you, like over time you can develop like a oh well I'm feeling this really negative thing, you know. Okay, well that's this and this tends to make me feel that way. And if you can do that and you can consistently identify like where those feelings are coming from, uh you can um you can more effectively uh, uh compensate for them when they arise, you know? Right? You can uh, you can uh, 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 um, learn learn to be being aware of something is the first step to uh, dealing with something. Yeah, mindfulness exactly. Being in that in in the moment. If you can do that, you can help with a lot of stuff. The problem is most people reality testing. I think that's the term. Yeah, like trying to determine whether or not your thought processes are clouded at the moment. Um, the reason this is so important is because. Uh, you know, unfortunately, trauma is actually kind of common. It's not uncommon. You know, trauma can be caused by a lot of stuff. Um, it, you know, a lot of a lot of wacky, sometimes fairly inconsequential stuff in the grand scheme of things. People respond to situations based on past input, and if past input is causing them to misattribute or misidentify, you know, the stuff they're dealing with now, they can have these habitual problems. A really good example of this is people who drive their friends away with the fear that they're driving their friends away. This is a real common one, where you'll have somebody who has friends, but they're afraid their friends are leaving them because of something, so they get really clingy and desperate because they're afraid of their friends leaving them, which makes their friends feel weirder about them because they're being clingy and desperate, uh, and, and then it drives the friends further away, of course, and, and, and that sort of compounds and exacerbates the issue. Uh, Mindfulness is the only real way out of that, but you're gonna want to work on that, okay? A lot of people think it's not worth it, but you know, you're a you're a ship sailing through the cosmos, okay? When it comes to the experience of sailing through the cosmos, uh keeping a lid on your own shit is priority number 1. You want to make sure that you're riding out your life in the best possible sort of cognitive vessel. Um, because otherwise you're going to run into the same problems over and over again when it comes to dealing with other people. You gotta, you gotta make sure that you're, it's, it's like a airline, uh, you know, oxygen mask kind of shit. You know, you make sure your own mask is on. If you, um, if you don't have your own oxygen mask on, you're going to, uh, keep running into the same problems when you try to socialize with other people. Let me let me wrap this up. This has gotten too much. Look, I'm being serious with this stuff, okay? It means a lot. It's it means a lot to everyone. You, you got to take this stuff seriously, okay? Oh, chat hates this. They hate this bit. They hate being called out. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm I'm rooting for you guys, okay? For what it's worth, I have a psych degree, and this has been very very good advice, Vosh. Thank you, anarchistic who is, is vouching for me and giving this all the weight and legitimacy of a professional psychiatric uh, consultation. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's important. It's really important, you know? I just feel like oftentimes the left, the, the left often responds really poorly to these kinds of social issues because the left practices, um, 
the, the, what is the left's response to this kind of stuff broadly? You know, it's, it's like, um, check your privilege, also feel self-love. I don't know. It's not enough. It's not even remotely enough. Self-love isn't even necessarily the best way to respond to a lot of like personal issues because, uh, you know, if it, you, you want to kind of, um, you want a dogmatic approach towards self-improvement, not necessarily a dogmatic approach towards like self-congratulation. It really depends by what somebody means by love. People, pe self-love self is a very vague term, isn't it? It doesn't even mean anything, really. Does self-love just mean liking yourself? Does it mean like, I mean, I feel like it can mean a lot of stuff. It can mean self-acceptance is one thing, but then you would just say self-acceptance, right? Not self-love. I don't know. I don't know. Cut the segment. Let it out. Stop. Let it out.